0: but I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. I am super excited to announce that at the date of this recording, so January 28th, this podcast has officially surpassed 25,000 downloads. We are not even a year into this podcast and this is just such an honor to be walking alongside so many of you in your parenting journey. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast with other parents. Thank you so much for letting me know how much this podcast means to you. So many of you email me every week and let me know how helpful this podcast is. And it just makes this whole process of making this podcast and putting it out into the world so much more special to know that it's helping people so much. So seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. 25,000 downloads feels surreal. And I'm just so incredibly honored to be here, to be the person in your earbuds helping you with parenting. It just, parenting is so hard and we shouldn't have to do it alone. And so I'm just really glad that you have chosen me and Raised Resilient to support you on your parenting journey. And you know, toward that end, if you haven't yet left a review for this podcast on whatever platform you listen on, that would mean the absolute world to me. Because truly, reviews are how new listeners find the podcast, and it gets this message to more parents who need it. So if this podcast has felt supportive to you, if you have benefited, if you feel like other parents need this message, leaving a review is a super helpful way to do that. So please go to whatever platform you listen on and share your thoughts on the podcast. That would mean the world to me. And for those of you who have already left a review, I so appreciate it. And I know that other parents who are trying to find new parenting podcasts appreciate your reviews too. Okay, so in today's episode, we will be addressing another listener question. And I have gotten so many listener questions lately, so I know we've had a whole string of them. And I just wanted to say thank you so much to those of you who have written in with questions. If I have not answered your question yet, it is because I am planning to address your question as part of my planned content for 2023. So hang in there. I will be getting to it in some form, I promise you. And as season one of this podcast comes to a close in February, so that will be the one year anniversary of Raised Resilient with Dr. Hillary. When that happens, I am going to start introducing for the first time guest episodes. I am so excited. I've got some really great guests that I've already recorded with and guests that I am scheduled to record with that you all are going to love. Some of these guest interviews I have been sitting on for like six months, and I know that sounds wild, but I just really wanted to do a whole season of just solo episodes. And don't worry, I will still be doing solo episodes and mixing that up with guest episode interviews. So I cannot wait to introduce that aspect of Raised Resilient. I think you're going to love it. So that is another thing to look forward to really soon. Okay, so let's get into today's listener question. Our listener writes, since my second daughter was born, my oldest is having trouble having her friends play at our house. Anytime they go play with anything at all, she gets very upset, and all of a sudden she wants to play with that thing. So for example, she will be happily playing with blocks, but once her friend goes near her dollhouse, she then wants to play with the dollhouse and refuses to let her friend play with it. I actually do what you suggested about telling her to put away anything she doesn't want to share before they come over, and you can tell she really wants to have friends over. But then they get upset and they don't want to play with her because she keeps yelling at them every time they try to play with anything. I want her to have play dates, but it's getting really hard to manage, especially when I'm breastfeeding or needing to attend to the baby, her little sister, when my oldest is clearly struggling having a meltdown. She does really well playing in other people's houses because it's not her stuff, but I get scared to organize play dates because of the above. What should I do? How should I address this? Okay, so there is a lot going on, in this letter. And when our listener refers to my suggestion to support her daughter in putting away anything that feels too special before a playdate, she's talking about the episode that I released a while back on sharing. And so I'm going to recap the highlights of that episode, but that is a great one to go back and listen to if you haven't yet listened to that. But in that episode I talk about how it's not a developmentally appropriate expectation to expect our kids to stop playing with whatever they are playing with just because someone asks for it. So what we typically think of as sharing, which is giving up the toy you're playing with because a friend wants a turn with it, is not a developmentally appropriate expectation. It's also not what we do as adults. Think about if you're on the treadmill at the gym and somebody comes and wants to use it. You're gonna finish your workout and then say, here you go, your turn. You're not gonna stop five minutes in just because somebody's in line. Of course, as adults, we are always thinking about how to include other people and how to get everybody's needs met. And I think there are absolutely ways that we can create that same culture in our family, that we can help our kids learn to ask, hey, does anybody want the last dinner roll before I take it? We can model that. We can talk to our kids about those things, but we should never expect our kids to just give up a toy the minute somebody asks because that is teaching them that this other child's needs are more important than their own. So, when we are helping our kids navigate this situation that's pretty inevitable on play dates where two kids want the same toy at the same time, we need to think about it from the mentality of taking turns, helping the child who wants the toy learn to wait their turn and helping them with any feelings of disappointment or frustration that come up as they're waiting. And also letting the child who's playing know. It looks like your friend wants a turn with this, so when you're all done, if you could pass it to them, that would be awesome. We don't want our kids to feel rushed in their play. We don't want our kids to worry that at any moment the toy is going to be taken away to give to someone else who decides they want it in that moment. So we want to help our kids engage in healthy turn-taking. So that would be my first suggestion when you've got a child who is having friends over and then all of a sudden they see their friend with a toy and then they want it. Just to verbalize, I see that you really want the dollhouse now that you see that your friend's playing with it. It might even seem more exciting to you now that you see your friend having fun with it. When she's all done, I'm sure she'll give you a turn. And then you are going to hold space for whatever feelings come up. Now, remember that if your child is having a meltdown in response to being told, oh, I see your friend's having a turn with it and it's really hard to wait, but we're going to wait. If your child is melting down in response to that, we have to remember what meltdowns really are. And meltdowns are not necessarily about whatever seems to set them off. Meltdowns happen when a child's emotional water pitcher, which is kind of my analogy for how much stress a child can tolerate before it has to spill over through a meltdown, before they have to let off steam or release some of these emotions. That child's emotional water pitcher was already full coming into this interaction. And so being asked to wait for this toy is simply the straw that broke the camel's back in that moment. And so when I say there's a lot going on in this letter, I want to address some of the things that I think are filling up this child's emotional water pitcher, so to speak. So I actually think that this child is feeling pretty stressed overall right now. I think this child's emotional water pitcher is pretty full most of the time right now. And remember, when we're talking about stress for young children, we're talking about everything from having to regulate impulses and emotions to big life changes like getting a sibling. And I want to just reiterate that getting a baby sibling, adding a member to the family is an incredibly stressful transition for children even if they are ultimately going to be best friends with that sibling down the line. It is incredibly stressful for young children to get a sibling. And it is stressful for a lot longer than I think most of us as adults think that it will be or should be. And I have plans to record a whole episode on helping an older child as you welcome a new baby into the family. So stay tuned for that. But I just want to say that It is a really, really stressful thing for our kids to get a sibling. And I think, at least what I observed in my own family, it's incredibly stressful when it's the first child in a family having to adjust from being an only child to now having a sibling and having to share her parents' time and attention. That is a really hard transition. And also, From what I've observed, I would love to know if there's research on this. I am not sure if there is, but in my own family, when my oldest had to adjust to getting a baby brother, there was something extra challenging for him about having to not only share our attention with this baby, but also having to share our attention with this baby brother specifically. And I've noticed in families that I've worked with, when it is a same-sex sibling being born, there is this added layer, especially if your child is old enough to have a sense of their felt gender. It is definitely a thing for kids to feel like there is this added layer of competition with a same-sex sibling. So I just want to throw that out there because when we had my second son, My oldest was almost three and it was really, really, really hard on him. And I will share more about that story when I do the episode on welcoming a new baby. But that is a tough transition for kids. And so you've got this little girl who is adjusting to having a little sister and that is going to be a real challenge for her for a lot longer than it seems like it should be. Del Faber and Elaine Maslish have this beautiful analogy in their book, Siblings Without Rivalry, where they talk about how getting a new sibling is like if your spouse came to you and said, I love you so much that I want to get another partner just like you. And you're going to have to really give us some space to work on our relationship. And you're going to need to share your things and make her feel super welcome. That would feel extremely threatening. For those of us in monogamous relationships we would be like uh no i'm not doing that but our kids don't have a choice and it's that same feeling of primal jealousy and remember jealousy is fear of losing something you already have whereas envy is wanting something that someone else has so it really is jealousy when it comes to siblings it's that fear of losing the love the connection the time the energy the attention That you have been given from your parents, your primary attachment figures. And remember, this is primal. This isn't just a nice to have. Our kids need to feel connected to us. They literally depend on us for survival. And so when something threatens that, like having a new baby join the family, it is incredibly threatening and destabilizing for a child. Now, that does not mean that you've made the wrong choice if you choose to expand your family. Not at all. But I do think we have to give attention to the fact that it is a big deal, especially for a child going from being your only child to now having to share you. So I think for this little girl, that is most of what's going on here. That her emotional water pitcher is so full all the time right now from having to adjust and make space in the family for her little sister, from having to manage those feelings of primal jealousy, the worry that she's going to lose this life-giving connection she has with her parents because of this baby. And for young children, this is often not conscious. They often don't understand what they're feeling. They just know that they feel it. It's uncomfortable and they're not sure how to verbalize it. And sometimes they're not even aware that they feel it at all. And this is why sometimes you're going to see negative feelings come out towards the sibling themselves. And sometimes you're just going to see behavior in other areas decline. And that's what I think we're seeing play out here with this little girl that our listener writes in about, I think, without knowing more about the situation, because of course there could be other things filling up this little girl's emotional water pitcher, but I think in this situation, this little girl is having a lot of feelings about having a little sister and mom needing to breastfeed and mom needing to care for the baby. And mom is not doing anything wrong by doing those things. But this little girl is likely feeling this sense of jealousy more extremely on these playdates when mom can not be right there to support her. And not only that, but if this little girl is feeling threatened, is feeling this sense of primal jealousy, she is likely acting that dynamic out in her play when her friends come over. So the minute they go for one of her toys, she feels territorial because her entire world at home, in her family life, feels threatened to her right now. Her existence, her place in the family feels threatened. So I think that's what's going on. And I think that until we address that and support her in articulating and understanding and regulating those emotions... I think this is going to continue to play out on play dates at home. Now, in the meantime, this mom can absolutely just have playdates elsewhere on neutral ground or at someone else's house because this little girl seems to do just fine in those situations. And I don't think that's a cop-out. I think that's an absolutely fine response to the situation to just say, we're going to not have playdates at home for a little while. But I also think there are ways to address these feelings for this little girl that are going to help with working through these emotions in a bigger way because she's going to have to regulate and work through these emotions because her little sister isn't going anywhere. And so she's going to have to make this adjustment and part of helping her make this adjustment is going to be really welcoming, inviting, drawing out those feelings of jealousy, that worry that she's going to be replaced. And so this is what I recommend. And again, I'm going to get into this transition in a much deeper way in the episode I'm going to dedicate to bringing home a new sibling. But I really think it's important to just create space for our kids to start to connect the dots about what they're feeling. So even if your child isn't saying things like, I hate the baby, I wish the baby would go back where it came from which kids say, and those things are not problematic. It's actually really healthy for kids to articulate those things because all kids feel them, but some kids don't articulate them for whatever reason. If your child is not articulating those things, make the space to talk about it. Take your child somewhere private and say, hey, you know, I've been thinking about how big of a change it is. You used to have mom and dad all to yourself, and then now... You have to share mom and dad with your baby sister. I was thinking about how hard that must be for you. I wonder if sometimes you wish that we didn't have the baby at all. I know it might feel scary to put yourself out there in that way, to invite that kind of thinking. You might be worried that you're going to hurt their relationship or invite your child to think about things they weren't even thinking about. But what you're actually doing in that moment is giving words to what your child is feeling that they might not even really understand. You're helping create a narrative and helping them understand, oh yeah, that is what I'm feeling. And you can let your child know, I am here to listen anytime you want to talk about it. If you ever feel that feeling of wishing you didn't have a baby sister, I understand. All kids feel that way sometimes about their siblings. And I am here. I am a safe person for you to talk to anytime you want to talk about that you can even come up with a signal. So anytime you're feeling, you could call it that jealous feeling. That's what we call it in our house, but you can call it whatever you want. You can let your child help you come up with words for it, but you come up with a signal with your child to use on these playdates, to use when you're breastfeeding, to use when you are not able to be right there or when they're having that feeling of jealousy that they can share that with you without even having to use words. I'm big on these signals because a lot of times when our kids are emotionally overwhelmed, they can't find the words that they can in other moments. They can't access the logical part of their brain. So it is so helpful just to have a signal that you can use. And maybe a signal that you could share to ask, hey, is this what you're feeling? This is a way to stay connected even when you're across the room breastfeeding. The other thing I would do for this little girl in particular is just to say during a quiet moment while there's not a playdate going on, just to say, I wonder if when you have friends come over to your house, it brings up those same jealous feelings of this is mine. This is something that I care about. I don't want you to use it. That feeling that something that you love is going to get taken away. I wonder if you feel that when your friends are here to play. And maybe you don't feel that at other friends' houses because it's not your stuff. To really give voice to what she's feeling and make the connection, to let her know that sometimes when kids get a baby sister or a baby brother, they feel these things. They start to feel protective of their toys because so much about their life has changed. Just give voice to that. That can be so incredibly powerful. And again, if your child hears you saying these things and says, no, that's not really how I feel, that's okay. You can just say, well, you know what? I would really understand if you did feel that way. And I'm always here to talk about how you're feeling. So you don't have to make it a thing, but you can just put it out there, plant the seed and walk away and see what happens. Above anything else, you want to make sure that you are opening yourself up as a safe person for your child to come to with any feelings they have about their sibling or about anything else. And a lot of times, what can happen when we have a new baby is that we Do spend a lot of time caring for the baby because we have to. And it's easy to expect that older child to just keep doing what they were doing before, to listen, do the things we're asking them to do, go to the potty by themselves, go to bed by themselves, all the things they were doing before, they should just be able to keep up because that makes everything easier for us, right? But it is so, so, so normal for kids to regress, to have a hard time in areas that they were sailing through before. Because again, When our kids are working through something emotionally, behavior is going to communicate that. So I really think that's what's going on for this little girl. And I think making some space to talk about those feelings is going to make a big difference. I also think it's totally okay to have playdates in neutral spaces or at other people's homes until then. And I also think this would be a time where it would be really beneficial to create some one-on-one time with this little girl, with mom, with dad, time where this little girl, especially with mom, because it sounds like mom is doing a lot of caretaking during the day with the baby. And so that relationship probably feels especially threatened right now. So to create some one-on-one time between mom and this little girl can be so powerful. And that will help this little girl begin to feel secure again in this relationship. And remember, if you're a parent listening to this and you're noticing some of this in your own older child as they adjust to a younger sibling, you're not doing anything wrong. This is not your fault. Having a baby is not a bad thing. And this is one of those things where two things are true at the same time. And your child is allowed to have some feelings about this. That relationship with you is literally a lifeline for your child. And so it can be really, really tricky for them to navigate at such a young age, this sense of having to suddenly share you. So I hope this was helpful. Again, if you have a question for the podcast, please reach out. You can email me at Dr. at raisedresilient.com, or you can go to raisedresilient.com forward slash questions. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.